Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi guys, quick one before we get into the episode. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster, which is the production suite that I've used from the very beginning of this podcast. And if you're interested in starting your own podcast, hang around at the end of the episode for our 30% discount referral code. Thanks. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. Are these your notes? These these your notes about what we're going to say? Anything. It's a short answer. (laughs) So how many novels did you not finish? Oh my God, so many. (laughs) It was perfect. What are you talking about? This is nonsense. Ooh, a spicy question. I love it. (laughs) This is it, guys. The big secret to getting published is you have to write a good book. (laughs) You better hear first. (laughs) Hello, and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. Today, my guest is literary agent Chloe Davis from the Darley Anderson Agency. Hey, Chloe. Hey. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on. So is September a busy time of year for literary agencies? Yes, definitely. Yeah, September's when we start building up to the, the Frankfurt Book Fair in October. So it uh-huh. just, it all starts getting a bit a bit manic, you know, we're helping our rights team get their rights guides ready. Um, and also it's a time when a lot of agents choose to start sending out their submissions to editors. So, you know, everyone's getting submissions ready. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really busy time, but it's an exciting time, you know, especially this year after a couple of years of not having Frankfurt Book Fair. Yeah. Um, it feels really kind of buzzy again and really nice to have that, you know, fi- you know physical fair again after a couple of years of just virtual fairs and meetings. Yeah, that's definitely in the wake of all of these lockdowns and things mm. opening up again has been is just kind of more exciting for things that were a regular kind of thing before are much more exciting yeah. now. Yeah, definitely. You know, it, it feels a lot more normal now. And we had, you know, we went to Bologna, we went to London back in the spring um, and that felt really exciting and just really nice to be there and see people again. And I think we're coming, coming back to that. So that's um, something that's really exciting for us all. Yeah, that's great. You mentioned that Now's the time of year that a lot of agents uh, are getting their submissions ready to send to publishers. How, mm. how come that happens around this time of year? Um, I mean, I think it's just the book fair buzz. Um, there seem to be a kind of a few times every year when it's, that's kind of when everyone submits. Um, I mean, you can kind of submit throughout the year, but some is a bit difficult, you know, people out of the office. Um, Christmas is also tricky because people are just kind of winding down for the year. So it always kind of seems to coincide with with the book fairs. Um, and it's just a really kind of buzzy time of year, really exciting. Um, and that kind of all contributes, I guess. So yeah, no, it's, it's really exciting. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize mm-hmm. that, that there was a sort of peak time for mm-hmm. agents to be submitting to publishers. So yeah. let's talk about your work as an agent, because mm-hmm. you uh, previously, well, you were originally a bookseller at Wardstones. Then you were working in, was it Wrights at Pam Macmillan? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then you became an assistant agent at Darley Anderson. Mm-hmm. And now you are building your own list as a junior agent. Yeah. How, so how has that kind of 
changed from being an agent's assistant to being a junior agent with your own kind of list growing? It's been a big leap. You know, when you start as an assistant, um, you're basically just kind of doing all the admin jobs and supporting the agents in your team. Yeah. Um, and you can you can learn a lot, but there is also so much to learn when you start agenting for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, just so many things that you might not have been aware of when you were just assisting. Um, it is, I mean, it's a steep learning curve, but it's, it's amazing. Um, and I'm so, so lucky that I've got a really supportive team behind me and I can ask them any questions. Um, they often take a look at my client's work, um, just to give me a second opinion. Um, and also they have so many more years of expertise behind them. Um, but no, I mean, it is, it's a big, it's a big jump. There's, you learn on the job, you know, there's nothing that you can really do beforehand, I think, to, to prepare you for some of some of the elements of agenting. And also, you know, you've got the added responsibility, which you didn't have before, of looking after people's careers um, and their kind of hopes and dreams. Um, and nothing really prepares you for that, I think. And, and also for the, for how much, like that kind of depth of feeling of how much you want to be able to help your authors and do well for them, um, do the best for them. Um, I think that's something that I hadn't, I hadn't anticipated maybe when I, before I started agenting. Yeah, I can see that. There's a, there's a sort of an emotional weight mm. that comes with the the whole job. So yeah. when did you start building your list? Um, I started in October, 2020, I think now, although the last couple of years have, have kind of blurred into one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was October, 2020. Um, and then I was officially a junior agent I think January 2021. Um, So yeah, it's been almost a couple of years now. Um, I'm kind of steadily building my list, just basically taking on anything that I really love at the moment, whilst also I'm still assisting Claire Wallace at our agency. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've, I've got kind of two jobs on the go at the moment, as it were. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing how often that happens Mm. because it's quite most, I think most agents do, start the way that you started where they work at an agency and then become a junior agent or whatever the, the title is. Yeah. But, but there is a, a, a part in the middle where you are doing multiple jobs. Yes. Wearing many hats. Yeah. 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 And, um, I mean, it's, it's great to have, you know, I feel really lucky that I've been given the opportunity to take on clients. Um, but it is, it's a juggle. Um, mm. There's a lot to think about um, and a lot to do, and you want to do the best you can for everyone and for the agency. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's a lot, um, but in a really exciting way. Yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. The one thing I've found with every agent that I've met is that that you just love publishing and you love books and you love stories, and it's Mm -hmm. so much of the job is just based off the kind of veracity of which people love reading. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's why most of us are in the industry um, for the love yeah. of books. Really, we all we all have that in common. It's really nice to be able to share that with everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And speaking of love of books, so building your own list, what are what are the age ranges and the the genres that that you really love that you're really like looking to add to your? Um, list? I mean, I, I I'm happy to consider anything. Um, but I would say that middle grade is my kind of heartland. That's what I've always loved. Um, and I think that's when I think back to my childhood, I just really remember reading so many great middle grade books. And I think that's where my love of books came from. That's when it was born. 
Um, so that's what I'm always kind of drawn to. And I think most of my list at the moment is made up of middle grade authors. Um, I mean, I think I just I like anything with a lot of heart and warmth, um, anything that just makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Um, I love great supportive friendships in in group, in, um, in books, sorry. Um, and just anything, you know, funny, escapist with a great adventure, great mystery. Um, and that, that kind of goes for YA as well and, and picture books. Um, YA, I love a good romance. I'm a sucker for a romance story with kind of tropes, enemies to lovers, anything like that. Um, I love, um, <laughs> Fantasy YA isn't isn't really my thing, but I'm kind of I'm happy to take a look at submissions. Um, that's probably one of the areas that I haven't read as much. Um, uh-huh. But I mean, I, I'm kind of open to to anything at this point. I love chapter books as well. Anything funny for kind of um, you know the five to seven eight age range as well. Um, and, yeah. and picture books too. I think anything with a lovely a kind of lovely message that children can take away, but that isn't too obvious or kind of didactic. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm open to to most things really. Yeah, but do you do you pretty much try and stay in the lanes of picture book, middle grade, uh, YA? You 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 don't really go into yeah. No, I, I'm I'm definitely just focused on children's and and illustration as well. Um, I'm open to okay. illustration submissions as well. Okay, amazing this is a perfect segue into submissions because uh, it's always interesting when agents come on the podcast to ask them about the sort of different ways in which agents and agencies approach um, submissions. First question, as Claire Wallace's assistant, are you often the first person to see the submissions that are, that would eventually reach Claire? Yeah, I can be. I mean, I think it it depends. We have a few I mean, we have a children's inbox where people submit to, and that's, that's, I share that with Lydia, who's a, an agent, um, also at the agency. Um, so we both have yeah. a kind of first look on that, depending on who dips into the submissions inbox. Um, and then Claire receives a lot of her own submissions and that's kind of her own email address. Okay. Um, and she'll take a look at those. Um, but sometimes we share, it depends on, on kind of workload, um, how our weeks are looking. So I, I can be the first person to see them sometimes. And sometimes it's Claire or Lydia who take a look. It just, it depends really. Yeah. As your role has changed and you are now a junior agent building yeah. your own list, is is there less of a sort of, I mean, it obviously put you in such great stead having already had so much sort of experience and practice going through mm-hmm. submissions. But now that you are building your own list, do you still pass submissions on to Claire or, or Lydia or, or whoever yeah. it is or if you know if you really like something is it now your you get first dibs yeah I mean I think I think we all work really well as a team um, and we all have really different we don't really overlap so there's no kind of sense of competition or anything like that okay um, but I mean if, if I think if I if I really like something I would send it to them for a second opinion just to get their thoughts um, because it's Uh always just really helpful to get someone else's thoughts on something on a submission. Um, But if I really loved it, then I could just, I could go ahead and and, and take it, take it on. Um, And I have done quite a few times now. Um, So, you know, I don't really, I don't need anyone's kind of permission or anything. 
um you know if i love something then i can just go for it awesome that is that's so exciting to yeah, be able to just yeah like, it really is. i love it email the author let's talk <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's so exciting the first few times i did it i was just like the first time i took a client on i was over the moon i was so excited <laughs> we did a little kind of happy dance around around my house <laughs> um yeah it's, it's so exciting yeah amazing okay so you've had a lot of experience looking through submissions um now building your endless when you go to look at submissions when you uh, and, and the submission package at Dali Anderson is it's pretty um, standard for the industry. It's uh, for fiction, first three chapters or 20 pages, yeah. uh, a one page synopsis. Um, then nonfiction is just the proposal chapter list, sample chapters. Yeah. Obviously with the, with the cover letter on top. So when you head over to your emails, um, you open up Pandora's submission box mm. to go through them. What order do you go through the submission and how much focus do you give to each of the parts yeah I mean obviously it depends for everyone but for me um I, I mean I always go to the cover letter first mm-hmm. um just to get you know a, a sense of of what kind of story the author is pitching um is it something that I've been looking for that I'd be interested in um you know I want to see the pitch any comp titles that have been included um and having read that, then I would move on to the sample chapters. Um, you know, I just want to want to get a sense of the author's writing style, the voice in the writing. Um, you know, is it something that I am going to really love? Um, and if I really enjoy it, then I would go to the synopsis and see, you know, how it's how the story is going to pan out. If there are any major curveballs, um, so yeah, that's kind of the way I would do it normally okay are there any um are there any sort of red flags that you sometimes sort of see in maybe the cover letter um I don't know about red flags I mean there are things that we always look for you know we want to break pitch um you know comp titles if you have any it's not essential um Mm. but if if you do have a great comp title then definitely include it and I think it also shows um, that you've done kind of market research and that you're aware of what's out there on the shelves. Um, obviously, you know, if it's a modern title, um, we usually tend to kind of like the comp titles to be a bit more contemporary. Yeah. And I think it's always quite nice to see a personalized cover letter. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be, I would never ever reject anything if, you know, if the cover letter wasn't personalized to me. Um, but it's always nice to see that an author has done their research um, and that they, they've given reasons about why they think their submission might be right for you and why you might be the right agent for them. Um, that always kind of makes me sit up and listen a tiny bit more, but again, you know, I would never reject anything that wasn't personalized. I, I, I don't think there are any kind of red flags really. And everyone has their different styles. Everyone's different. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I love hearing about the author as well. Just, you know, you want a little bit about them, um, just to know, you know, who they are basically and why, maybe like why they've written this story and why it's, why it's important to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, no major red flags as such, I don't think. Does it add sort of, does it grab your attention more if you see in the cover letter that they have, um, you know, been long listed, short listed or, or, or entered lots of awards and things? Um, I mean, it's always nice to see, um, but yeah. I mean, I wouldn't reject anything that hadn't been long listed or, you know, shortlisted or, you know, that hadn't won an award. Yeah, of course. Um, but, you know, if you have 
entered a competition and have been shortlisted or have had success, then definitely include that because, you know, that's pertinent information and it's something that we should probably know. Yeah. Mm. And I know it's quite made me laugh is on the, uh, on the, on the agency website for the submission process, it does say, um, one page synopsis and then there's a note afterwards that says, please do include all spoilers. Yeah. Is that something that, because I've spoken to agents who don't want to see the spoilers. I've seen, I've also spoken to agents who go straight to the synopsis to read the spoilers before they even read the chapters. Mm. Where where do you land on the sort of like wanting to know the spoilers versus not, or wanting to sort of experience the prose before you read the synopsis? Um, I mean, I, I want spoilers. I want to know what happens. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I feel like for me, it just makes everything clearer in my head. If I know where it's going and what the outcomes are. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, our time is kind of limited and sometimes we're super busy and that just helps us get a faster sense of what the book is about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think everyone at, at Darley Anderson children's book agency anyway, wants to know the spoilers. I think all of my colleagues um, like to work that way. Um, I th- yeah, it just makes things a lot easier for us. Um, we can get a sense of, of where it's going, where the story's going. Yeah, it's 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 only logical that you would do that. And, and any properly written synopsis, it by its very nature, contains all of the spoilers mm, for yeah. whatever, the, whatever the book is. Mm-hmm. But it's always interesting to know that um, there are some agents who just sometimes don't even bother with the synopsis. Yeah, I find that really interesting, actually. Or people who just don't want spoilers. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's quite funny. I mean, I don't think I could work like that, but I, I get why some people prefer that. It's just, yeah, it's kind of funny to think about. I, yeah, I, I can understand the argument. It's that you want they want to experience the book in the way that a reader would experience yeah. it to get mm-hmm. the, the authentic feel of, of the yeah. writing and stuff. Yeah. And I think for me, I still, I can still feel that even, even knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I don't feel that kind of kills it for me. So um, that's yeah. kind yeah. of why yeah. I prefer to know really. I watched a, a, a long video essay um, a while back about how it was impossible to spoil a high quality story. Yeah. And they reference things like the sixth sense um, mm-hmm. or fight club. And yeah. they say, if someone told you beforehand the big twist, you would still enjoy that movie. You would just enjoy it in a completely different way from yeah. having not been told the twist. Yeah. And I think, you know, great writing speaks for itself, really. Yeah. Um, and as you say, you can still enjoy it for what it is. And, um, you know, you can spot a great story, even knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. And sometimes knowing what, what's going to happen, you get that extra level of dramatic irony mm. where you, you're, you're then trying to put all the pieces together and think, well, how, does, how, is, how are we going to end up? I know we're ending up at point B, but mm. how, do we, how are we getting there from point A? Yeah. Which is cool. Mm-hmm, definitely. So with, with that submission stuff fresh in our minds, September 2022, you are open to submissions yeah. and actively building your list. Mm. Um. We know the wider scope of what you're looking for generally, middle grade, but some YA romance. Is there any more specific things that you're looking for? Maybe like specific characters or storylines that you'd love to see in the sort of latter months of this year? Um, I mean, I'm 
I'm always really keen to see anything from kind of people from underrepresented backgrounds, um, you know, maybe kind of less, uh, just kind of families of all shapes and sizes. Um, I think anything that's kind of super relatable to children nowadays, um, you know, we get, you know, parents from, you know, all around the world. And, you know, I, my mom's Mexican. Um, and I often didn't see books where parents were from different countries, for example, when I was growing up. Um, so I'm always interested in that or in anything that kind of, um, anything with different kind of cultural references, um, you know, things that have a new stories that have a new angle perspective, um, voices that we haven't maybe heard before. Um, I'm really open to that. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's, I'm not really looking for any kind of specific plot lines or anything like that. Um, just something that will make me feel something if that, yeah. that's super vague, but I just want something to kind of hit me right in the feels. And like, yeah, I just want to be able to feel the soul of the book. Um, yeah. and I, I, I do love kind of heartwarming. I love, I love kind of stories that celebrate quiet children. Cause I was also really quiet as a child. I was super shy. Um, so I love you know, not every child is going to be loud and bouncy um, and full of energy. And I love books that celebrate children that maybe aren't that, maybe that are quieter, that don't have as much confidence, um, where we see them kind of coming out of their shells and learning that they are enough. Um, yeah. I, I love anything like that, really. That's great. Well, that's that's uh, really helpful. And it's really nice to uh, to hear. And And on from that, there are a lot of authors out there um, about to start querying or already querying what advice would you have to people in the middle of their submitting to agents um i mean first of all i i know it can be such a a slog and a disheartening process so i think my main advice really is to keep going and to not try i know it's hard try not to be too disheartened by rejections um you know they're, they're hard for us too and we don't like doing it um, but I guess, yeah, yeah. Kind of keep going. Um, and also kind of pat yourself on the back cause you've already done something that's really hard and really brave, you know, putting yourself out there. Um, I think also just make sure that you know, which agents, you know, open to submissions, who wants what, um, make sure that you're, you're kind of tailoring your submission to the agents. I think more than anything, I, I know it's so hard. That's the thing. I know it's such a hard process for authors. Yeah. Um, so just, yeah, keep going and, and maybe don't compare yourself to anyone else on social media. Cause that <laughs> always, um, it's always a slippery slope, I think. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's so easy to do. And it's so easy to forget that when you see the bookseller headline of brand new author, signs six figure deal in massive bidding war it's like that's one in a million yes don't compare yourself to that if it happens amazing but it's one in a million that that happens yeah I think you know what what we see on social media is just people's highlights really um you don't see all the rest all the kind of heartbreak and all the the bad times behind it all so um yeah definitely I would say don't compare yourself to anyone on social media everyone's got their own journey Mm -hmm. yeah yeah very very good advice. Persevere yes, as well. Definitely. 
before we get on to the the final question, the much dreaded desert island question, mm-hmm. uh, I have to ask. Yes. You have worked in publishing through uh, a number of different roles. Have you ever wanted to write yourself? No, definitely not. <laughs> no, that's something I've never, ever been good at. I've never been good at creative writing. I tried as a as a child and no, it, it just didn't go well. Um, oh. I just don't have that, those skills and I really admire everyone who does because I, I definitely don't. Um, I think that's why I'm this side of, of the industry, not on the writing side. Um, yeah, that's. I don't think you'll ever, ever see a book with my name on the cover, ever. <laughs> oh, well... I mean, it's it's a very different skill, um, being creative writing and editorial. Yes. Are you quite editorial with your authors? Yes. Yeah, definitely. As, as an agency, we're all really hands-on. Um, and okay. I think we're all really talented at what we do. Um, and we, we do work really closely with our authors. I mean, obviously, it, it's kind of led by the author and what they want and what works for them. Um, uh-huh. So it kind of depends. Some authors want to brainstorm. Um, and we're happy to do that with them or others just go off and write something and come to us when it's ready. Um, but we would always, always work with them to get it in the best shape possible to send it out. And we, you know, we've been known in the past to work with authors for, you know, up to a year um, on, on a, on a text just to, to make sure that it's as kind of watertight as possible. Um, so yeah, we, we love working really editorially with our, with our authors. Yeah. And I mean, it's good to know that you, you're, you're willing to sort of put in the time with with an author to not send a submission to a publisher before it's ready yeah yeah no we're always really happy to do that um and that's not just me but that's claire and lydia and becca as well the other agents at the agency um we all love working really closely with our authors and that's something that that i think that just makes us all really happy and satisfied um and we want our authors to know that we're here for them as well and we you know we're happy to listen to to anything and we like hearing their thoughts about their manuscripts. Um, yeah, that's something that's really important to us. Awesome. That sounds like a really great environment and, and sort of very welcoming as well to authors who um, probably haven't experienced, you know, when you, when you first come into an, to an agency and then you're on this whole roller coaster of publishing, it's nice to know that you guys have that sort of, we'll work on it until it's ready and, and that very yeah. supportive um, atmosphere. Yeah, definitely. And we, we all we all support each other and each other's clients and we all work really closely together. Um, so hopefully, yeah, I mean, I think we'd like to think that we've created a nice environment for everyone and hopefully our authors feel that too. Amazing. Awesome. Well, that brings us to the final question, which as always is, Chloe, if you were stranded on a desert island with a single book, which book would it be? This is such a hard question. I know everyone <laughs> says that and I've been giving it some thought, um, but I just, it's so hard to pin down one book. And I think because I'm not the kind of person, like I don't reread books. So mm-hmm. once I've enjoyed it, I kind of put it down and that's that. And it's like, it lives in my memory, but I don't feel the need to pick it up again. So that makes it tricky. Um, but I mean, I feel like I don't think I could pin it down to one, but maybe the only thing I could think of really was like something really long to keep you going. You know, if you, you don't want to be able to finish it in an hour and then have to reread it, yeah. uh, that would be really dull. So I was thinking, what did I, what have I loved in the past? And when I was a child or maybe not a child, but kind of teenager, 
Um, I remember I loved reading, watching Dickens adaptations on TV and then reading the books. So I thought mm. maybe a really long Dickens book like David Copperfield, something that felt kind of comforting, but was also long so that, yeah. you know, that could keep me going for a while. And then I could, you know, put it down and then start again. And that would take me another, you know, couple of weeks, maybe. Um, <laughs> so something wrong like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I just couldn't pin it down to one thing. It's just, it's too hard. What if you could take a complete works? So let's say the complete works of Dickens. Would it be Dickens if you could take a complete works? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, to be honest, recently I've really enjoyed um, Taylor Jenkins Reid and all her books. Uh-huh. I might take all of her books, actually. I feel like <laughs> that would be a good set of books to have. Something really escapist to make you forget the head of what you're living through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably, probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's great. I, I like that you, you really thought that one through and it seemed to cause you only a little bit of anxiety. <laughs> but yeah, there was a lot of discussion of this with colleagues and family members <laughs> trying to figure out what I was going to say. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Chloe, for coming on the podcast and sharing your experience in the publishing industry and your work as as an agent with me and everyone listening. It's been really interesting chatting with you. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. It's been, yeah, it's been fun. It's been really good. And for anyone listening, if you want to keep up with what Chloe's doing, you can follow her on Twitter at ChloeMDavis95 or on Instagram at ChloeDavisAgent. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Twitter at RightAndWrongUK or on Instagram at RightAndWrongPodcast. Thanks again to Chloe and thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for hanging around until the end. If you're interested in starting your own podcast but aren't really sure what that looks like, I can't recommend Zencaster enough. It's so simple to host, record and download your podcast with and it even has a built-in transcription AI. It functions entirely in the internet browser, which means all your guests have to do is click on a link and they'll be brought into the conversation. If you click on the link in the description, you'll get 30% off the first three months. All you have to do is click on the link in the description. Thanks again for supporting the show and we'll see you in the next episode.